With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Getting you ready for another outstanding night in the world of sports, although we have no football for a couple of nights. We can react to last night's Monday Night Football, which was hard to watch. Hard to watch, right? Good news, kids. We got the Lions, we got the Packers, we got Lambeau Field. Bad news, kids. Uh, There's no Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I understand you watch other teams like the Cowboys like last year with Dak Prescott, and you think, well, why can't that be us? Why can't the Green Bay Packers lose their starting quarterback and still be viable as a playoff football team? Why? Well, that's got to be a void in leadership. Ted Thompson just not doing a good enough job. Mike McCarthy not adjusting to uh, having a new quarterback. They're not picking the right guy. They should go and get Colin Kaepernick, who's the answer to, I believe, Colin Kaepernick. By the time the NFL season is over, he will he knows the cure to cancer. Are you guys aware of that 
Colin Kaepernick has the cure to cancer. I am a proponent of Kaepernick in uh, uh, more so, more so in Houston. I do like the uh, the idea of an athletic Kaep- Kaepernick, uh, similar to Rogers, at least in some way, in Green Bay. But Brett Hundley's a good athlete. He's just not Aaron Rodgers. And this is what happens when you lose a player like Rodgers. But it's also what happens when your team is structured differently. Look, I've heard a lot of LeBron James is equal to or better than Michael Jordan arguments. And one of the main thrusts of that argument is that when Jordan left the Bulls the first time to retirement, the Bulls were still the number one seed in the East. When LeBron left the Cleveland Cavaliers for the first time. Cavs went from NBA Finals contender to lottery uh, lottery mainstay. They went from the penthouse to the outhouse. Right? They literally were walking around with their pockets. You know, when people are broke, you turn your pockets inside out. It looks like the, 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 the elephant ears. That's what happened to the Cavs. But the story is not that LeBron is better than Jordan, nor is the story that Aaron Rodgers is that much better than Tom Brady. Context is really, really important. So, too, is construct of the team. No two teams are created alike. No two markets are alike. No two systems are alike. And so the idea that, hey, look, remember when Matt Castle took over for Tom Brady? He won 11 games. That means that Tom Brady is a system player. Belichick's mostly responsible. And Aaron Rodgers, who was leading the Packers to being a contender for uh, the best record in the NFC, one of the better teams in the NFC now, is a playoff also ran. And the only thing that's changed is quarterback. Now, first of all, the only thing changed is quarterback is not accurate. They lost Brian Balaga now to a torn ACL. But more than anything, it's about construct of the team. It just is. It's also about the perception of what 11 wins means. When the Patriots won 11 games, the previous year, they had won all 16. That's a five-game drop-off. That is a monumental drop-off from 16 to 11. And it wasn't the only piece that was alike. And the schedule was actually remarkably easier during the 16-week schedule. You look at the Green Bay Packers this year, and this is a team that had beaten the Seahawks, beaten the Bengals, beaten the Bears, beaten the Cowboys before Aaron Rodgers got hurt. The Vikings and the Saints and maybe even the Lions are probable playoff teams. I do think they'll win a game, although now you lose Balaga, it makes it far more difficult. The Bears are actually favored for the first time in nine years over the Green Bay Packers, and the main reason is because of Brett Hundley. Now, I don't, I didn't think Hundley was great, but I also didn't think he was terrible. But the Green Bay Packers are not built upon a running game. Right? Ty Montgomery's been their leading rusher. He's a convert. He's really more of a wide receiver. That's what he's supposed to be. Their offensive line is in tatters because of injury. And yes, Aaron Rodgers is that good. And oh yeah, by the way, up until they play the Bears, they will have played. Uh, playoff contenders or playoff teams in his three losses. It's not just the wins and losses. It's the construct of the team, one built around Aaron Rodgers, 
one whose wide receivers, by my estimation, have been wildly overrated, but also one in which there's a drop-off at quarterback. And sometimes it's really hard to tell when a guy is a backup, right? You see him as a backup. You see him a couple times in training camp. You see him a lot in training camp. You see him a couple times in the preseason. But the preseason, there's so many moving parts that it's it's not there's there's not as many complex reads even for the backup quarterback. And so this is our first chance to really see if Brett Hundley has anything. And while he's missed Jordy Nelson, he hasn't turned the ball over a ton. They haven't asked him to try a ton, especially since the three interception performance uh, coming in for Aaron Rodgers, going back to their loss to the Minnesota Vikings. They've asked him to just protect the ball, not lose the ball, which is what the Cowboys did when they had Brandon Whedon. You could tell me last year that the Cowboys with their backup quarterback uh, were one of the best teams in the NFC, and you'd be right. But you'd also have to remember that that team was constructed completely differently than the Green Bay Packers. It had a great offensive line, it had a great running back, and it had a very young quarterback by NFL standards, and one to which they just put him in position to not lose the game. Hundley doesn't have nearly the same luxury. This is a Green Bay team that's built solely around the arm and legs of Aaron Rodgers, and when he goes down, it becomes built around the legs of an arm of Brett Hundley, and he's just not as good, and the drop-off is this severe. But to compare him, and this is my same argument with Jordan versus LeBron. When LeBron left Cleveland, sure, the drop-off was severe. Half the players in the roster were also gone. And... The team was constructed just like the team now in Cleveland is constructed completely around the style of LeBron James, who can play any position, likes to handle the basketball, is essentially a point power forward. And if he leaves, it'll be a similar collapse. But that doesn't make him better than Jordan. Jordan's team was just comprised differently, built differently, some out of necessity, some out of fortune because of who they're able to sign and what the what the NBA draft provided, and some because of the vision of Jerry Reinsdorf uh, I was saying Kraus and uh, and Phil Jackson. Does that make sense? Just this idea that, well, you know, and I do think Aaron Rodgers is the best. And I, like some of you, took to Twitter to kill me because here we are coming off a Super Bowl comeback for the ages by Brett by uh, Tom Brady. And I was like, like, I think Aaron Rodgers is the best I've ever seen play quarterback. Tom Brady is the most decorated, the most accomplished quarterback of all time. But I'd take Aaron Rodgers. But I, I won't even allow last night or the three-game losing streak to confirm that bias because I know the teams are built incredibly differently. Just like the uh, Patriots were able to keep their heads above water last year, it's because that team is built differently than the Green Bay Packers are built solely around the style of play and the arm and the brain and the talents of Aaron Rodgers. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Chris Sims will join us later on the show. Uh, you know, he works for both Bleach Report and NBC Sports. I'm going to ask him about Baker Mayfield as an NFL starting quarterback. Is he too small? Is he, is he, does he move too much in the pocket? Or is he more of a, is he a Russell Wilson type? Or is he Johnny Manziel without the baggage? Plus, I want to ask about Notre Dame, team he covers for NBC. 
going down to take on Miami. Frank Vogel, head coach of the surprising Orlando Magic, will be our guest in the 2 o'clock hour. But upcoming next, 2 o'clock Pacific Coast time. But upcoming next, the uh, Chargers had the week off. Melvin Gordon got a chance to get his mind right. And we'll see where the Chargers are after their loss to the New England Patriots a little bit more than a week ago. Melvin Gordon of the Chargers joins the show. We'll ask him about his alma mater, Wisconsin, and why their schedule's so soft. I kid, I kid, I kid. Next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Fascinated by this LeBron James story where uh, he Instagrammed a fist out last night. And then, of course, uh, the New York Post blew up his spot. Ramos, are you uh, familiar with the term blew up his spot? I am not. Um, well, I'm I'm almost positive that Ryan Music is familiar with the <laughs> Let's find out. Blew up his blew up his spot. Are you are you familiar with uh blew up his spot there, Ryan Music? Like they blew his cover, like they're putting him on blast. Well, uh, see then then you went another kind of clever uh that, that's what you did. You went another kind of clever saying, "Yes, they blew up his spot. They put him on bl- put him on blast." They're um, they're exposing him, I guess is how you should describe it without giving it another reference. Did you ever watch the show Cheaters? <laughs> uh, where they like lure in guys <laughs> who are uh, in relationships by like yes. having women hit on them and then like their girlfriend or wife are watching? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you watched that? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it, definitely. Did you like it? I I didn't Like I, you watch p other you watch you like watching other people's spot be blown up? N- not really. I didn't. I didn't take too much. I didn't take to it too well, but I find it interesting at times. Yeah. Uh, so here's here's what happened. Uh, there's an Instagram model, which Instagram model is usually uh, one of two things: somebody desperately in need of attention, or um, sometimes these are more in the in the escort variety. Uh, Heidi, hi, excuse me, Heidi Hoback. I didn't make that up. That's her name. Heidi Hoback, who apparently is an Instagram model and hunter, shared her exchanges with LeBron James on a public platform. Quote, athletes slide into girls' DMs all the time, so this is the craziest part, but sheesh, biggest buck I've seen over here. Hoback posted a Snapchat per screenshots obtained by Terez Owens on Thursday, to which James said, Teach me how to hunt, and I'll teach you how to play ball. Deal? LOL. Though Hoback uh, shielded her replies with a slew of skull emojis, the responses, uh, response, responses allegedly enticed James to ask, Where are you? Oh, boy. Hoback went on YouTube. She has a YouTube channel. I was honestly having a normal day. Going over and hunting, then this wild encounter with a buck happened, and so happened to be the night when LeBron DM'd me, so I thought I'd share. I took a Snapchat to share it with my followers because I thought it would be a funny story. You know, the message was pretty innocent as far as I know. And then some of my followers informed me that he was married, and I had no clue because I didn't follow him. I wouldn't consider myself a fan, so I wasn't that aware at all. 
I guess that's why it's been made into a bigger deal than I originally thought. Music, do you think that he was uh, he was hitting on her? Ramos, do you think he was hitting on her? Uh, I do. How much is real and how much is simply uh, the world of the internet, the interweb, to which guys uh, guys kind of have a parallel sense of reality? Like, it looks real, it feels real, but it's not real. I want to get back to this topic a little bit later on. Uh, Melvin Gordon had the week off last week, right? I mean, all, all the Chargers had the week off. I wonder how much he played Madden all week. He's uh, had to defend his Wisconsin Badgers and their pathetic schedule to date. He's Melvin Gordon of the L.A. Chargers. I'm kidding with him. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show (laughs) here on uh, Fox Sports Radio. Dudes are coming at your Badgers because uh, through some fault of theirs, but no fault in the Big Ten schedule, they haven't played a ranked opponent yet. How good do we actually think this team is? Uh, Well, you know, we'll find out after this Iowa game how good we are. Um, the way they just beat up on a ranked Ohio State team, um, you know, you know, I think this will really show, um, you know, what, what, what type of caliber team we are. But but even Iowa, like, look, that Iowa game was an upset, and their quarterback played incredibly well. But it's going to be really hard to know how good Wisconsin is, even when the Big Ten regular season schedule is done, because they don't play Penn State, they don't play Ohio State, they don't play Michigan State. And the only team uh, from the top of the other division they do play is Michigan, and they play them at home. Like, like, look, you've played enough to know it's not necessarily just about how good you are, what your record is. It's who you've actually played. So, I mean, what's your what's your sense? You watch the game, obviously, differently than we do. What do you think about the yeah. team? I mean, you know, this, this is, we got a weak schedule, and it sucks because, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. You know, they're, they're set years ahead in advance. Um but like I said, you know, regardless of how I would beat Ohio State, they beat them, and they were a ranked team. So um, you have to look at that. And uh, we do play Michigan, and you know, regardless if it's home or away, we still play Michigan, and we still had a Big Ten championship where you know we'll, we'll probably play you know Ohio State or Penn State or whoever that gets that opportunity. So we still got we still got chances. I feel like if we went out, man, we'll, we'll be. We'll, we'll, we'll be in. It's hard to uh, not. All right, so in. you're you're playing Madden today against Juice Landry. Is that right? Yeah, you know we me and me and Jarvis are going at it today, man. We uh doing this little 4K football challenge. Um, you know we're playing on the C series TCL TV 65 inch. Got it set up in the living room, and uh, you know the winner, the winner. Um, you know they they donate to our charity, so um, you know I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, I want to see what Jarvis got. Uh, you guys, uh, you guys had the week off. Now you take on the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that's red hot. You still have to go to Dallas. That's a playoff team. Still have to go to Kansas City. That's a playoff team who beats you in your place. The, the home games appear to be far more winnable. What's your sense of uh, now that you've kind of seen both sides, right? The four-game losing streak, the three-game winning streak. What's your sense of how close this team is to getting back above five hundred? We close, man. We close. We close, and I feel, I feel we could do it. You know, we 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 got everything in front of us, man. You know, we're not at this thing yet. Um, you know, as, as bad as we played, um, towards the end of games at the first at the beginning of the season, um, you know, we're still left with opportunity. Um, and that's all you can ask for at this at this at this point in time to still be in it. And uh, we're close, man. We there. We there. We lost, we lost to a tough Patriots team. 
Uh, I felt like we should have won, but uh, obviously we lost, so it is what it is. Um, but I feel like we 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 piecing it together, man. What's it like to have such a successful day personally, right? You have 132 yards rushing, and yet your team loses, right? Like you want to – this is what you – this is what the team's been fighting for. That's what your coach has been preaching is that we want to be able to run the football, especially on the road. You finally do so, but your team comes up short. What's that like for you uh, to go through? Bittersweet, and you can never really enjoy, you know, a, a, you know, a, um, a good performance. You know, when you lose, it's, it's like a, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet, you know, and that's that's the best way to put it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you, you want to win the game, and it was a big game to win for us, um, and we lost. And, you know, I played a big part, um, you know, in, in putting us in a position to win, and obviously I had a decent game, but, you know, it's, it's never really talked about um, with a loss, and no one really cares about a loss you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, it's it's weird, right, That that, like – you perform well, and yet you can't even tout yourself, nor you can have anybody else, because the only thing that truly matters is the team. And so, the fact that you average nine point four yards a carry, as well as you could possibly play, and yet it it doesn't end up getting discussed even during the week off. Melvin Gordon joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Did you like when you're away? You have no games this weekend. Did you watch Busman's Holiday? Did you sit down and watch all the Sunday games? He was like, or did you get away from it completely? Yeah, I just, I just, uh, you know, I chilled. I watched a couple games, um, you know, on my TV, um, and just, you know, I, I just Netflixed up. To be honest with you, what, what do you Still do? Arrested. <laughs> Netflixed up, man. So what you, what you Netflix? What, what did you binge on? What did you have to catch up on? Stranger Things too. I couldn't I, see. Here's the thing: when you have kids, and kids go missing. I really struggled early on. I couldn't get to the third episode. So, so did you? Did you? Did you like Stranger Things the the second season? Yeah, I loved it. I'm not gonna lie, I loved it. All right, I guess I have to. I wish it wasn't over. I'm kind of mad. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a Stranger Things three, right? Like, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't read. I mean, especially with um, House of Cards no longer being in production, Netflix is going to need need Stranger Things to to have another season, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how they uh, piece it together. I didn't really think Stranger Things 2 would be good because I was like, off the first one, I don't know how they're going to piece it together to make a story. Um, But somehow they found a way. So they make a third season, man. I I really see it hard, like finding something, you know, finding a story to go off of. But uh, we'll see. You know, they they surprised me with the second one. Uh, AJ Green went after Jalen Ramsey. What would somebody have to say to get you to go that crazy on a defensive player? Um, probably do that right there. Um, you know, just pushing you after the play repeatedly. Um, just in year, just talking trash. And uh, you know, I, I heard AJ. You know, is, is really a quiet player. Don't really say much. And uh, you know, pushing him a lot like he's doing after the play. And uh, he it, honestly, it looked like he just blacked out. Um, so it would have to be something like that. Yeah, no, he just kind of lost. He, he just he <laughs> just lost there. his mind. Well, you have who did you oh, yeah. did you go after somebody? Who uh, the it wasn't like I like kind of muffed the player. Like it was a Minnesota game in college, uh, my redshirt sophomore year, I want to say. And like they had to grab they had to grab me because I was you know obviously they didn't want me to get you know suspended or anything like that. But you kind of just black out man it's, it'd be crazy i didn't you know i wasn't punching or anything i just muffed him like really really hard like 
and we got in each other's face, like it, it would have been that if the guys didn't break it up. You know, the other thing that's interesting about that stuff is not only do you black out, but you also that's the most tired you ever get. Right. Like you go and throw a couple. Right. Like like fighting in the middle of something else makes you so incredibly tired. Yes, it do. It do. I'm not going to lie to you. It definitely do. That's why when it happens in practice, I'll be like, uh, I don't know. I'm going to sit this one out. So you're playing Madden on the 65 inch Roku. Are you playing as the Chargers? I got to. I got to. Do you have to or can you put yourself on a different team? You said what now? You can't put yourself on a different team, or you can't pick some other team and just go like, "I can't play as myself." I don't think you can do that online. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even, so I can't put myself on another team online. Tell me, you do the powder I, blue uniforms? I definitely can. Or if they got the, if they got the, you know, the um, what was the the the, the dark uh, color rush we have? Color, color rush? rush jersey. Yeah, yeah. They got those on there. I might go with those. Those are so nice. All right, well, don't let Landry run up the score on you and talk trash. That would be bad. Yeah, that would be, be really bad because the money goes to your charity, goes to your football camp, which we know you had over 200 campers. So, hey, Melvin, thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck uh, this weekend. Safe travels to Jacksonville. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. All right, that's uh, Melvin Gordon joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Let's bring in Dan Byer, find out what else is going on in the world of sports. What do you got, Dan? Well, Doug, we'll get to the NBA in a sec because a big trade finally went down. But since you're talking with Melvin Gordon, let's talk some football. Patriots wide receiver Chris Hogan missed practice today because of a shoulder injury. Patriots are going to Denver on Sunday night. Of course, New England had a bye in week nine. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin, Pittsburgh had a bye as well, says that wide receiver Martavis Bryant will be active for their game Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts in Week 10. An ESPN report says the Vikings are considering placing quarterback Sam Bradford on injured reserve because of his sore knee. Case Keenum is going to start Sunday at Washington, and it's expected that Teddy Bridgewater will be activated to be the backup. Bradford, by the way, going to visit with Dr. James Andrews today. Packers lost last night to the Lions, and they also lost tackle Brian Balaga. Reports say he suffered a torn ACL in that loss to Detroit and is done for the season. While Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson will have surgery on his torn ACL coming up on Wednesday. Now to the NBA, Doug Lakers forward Lowell Deng told ESPN he and his agent have had talks with the team about a buyout or trade, and a trade did happen involving Eric Bledsoe. Sun sent the guard to Milwaukee for Greg Monroe, a protected first-round pick and a protected second-round pick. Uh, the, the the Bledsoe trade is interesting because both of those both of those contracts, Greg Monroe signed with the Bucks. Uh, he appears to be a player from a foregone era, and one as soon as the ink was dry, they didn't like that contract in Milwaukee. The same with Eric Bledsoe, remember, was out on the market as a restricted free agent, and nobody offered him a big deal, and eventually he signed one kind of begrudgingly with the Phoenix Suns, but it appeared to be too big. And then, of course, he's been injured ever since. So here, you take my problem, I'll take your problem. You need a point guard. Uh, The problem becomes that Bledsoe's a high-volume guy and not a great shooter, and though a great athlete, and they played mostly through Giannis and... Uh, Giannis is is not a great shooter as well, so I I think it gives them a lot of something, but I don't know if it's enough to make them any more competitive in the East. Uh, the, the one the Luol Deng one is interesting because of all the things Mitch Kupchak did, that Luol Deng contract is one of the worst. But when that that story comes out, that's Luol Deng manipulating the media to try and make himself almost sympathetic. 
try to get a trade. Like, there isn't a trade out there for Luol Deng. Somebody doesn't want to take on two years, $26 million for a guy who can't play, and they're not going to buy him out. They'll wait till the end of the season, and they'll do what's called stretch his contract, pay the remainder over three years so that doesn't hurt him nearly as badly on the salary cap. In the salary cap. In the salary cap or on the salary cap? What do you think, Ramos? I would say on the salary cap. On the salary cap. Music, do you want to hop in here, in or on? I would go uh, on the salary cap. I'm going to go with on the salary cap. <laughs> that's a good choice. I, I mean, I, listen, I like it. Nothing yeah. personal. I'm just, that's just what I'm what I'm thinking. All right, let's get back to this LeBron sliding on on, on a chick's DMs. I, I get that. I mean, I, I guess I get that if you're if you're dealing with a prostitute, a person of ill repute, that you can't real you're not really going to, um, you can't depend on them to keep their word and to keep it quiet. And I get that like, you got to be dumb if you're LeBron James to slide into somebody's DMs and not think, "Hey, I'm LeBron James. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it out there." But it it does feel, boy, it does feel like a, man, I'm I'm trying to think the word I'm looking for. Look, it feels like a dirty dog move from the the Instagram model. Like, you're an Instagram model. Guys are are throwing it out at you. LeBron James is the, and her, I didn't know who LeBron James was married. Like, come on, man. Google for a second. You knew exactly what you were doing. Exactly what you were doing. And that doesn't make it okay that LeBron is throwing it out there on DM. But I'm wondering how you guys feel about her putting it out there. Showing the world that LeBron James direct messaged her. Especially considering she covered up her response. Wait, wait. His response, I'm okay not covering up. But my response, I, I'm not okay. Music, is she allowed? To, I mean, I, I know technically she's allowed to do it, but is she allowed to do this? I think it's a, a bad move on her part. I think it's a bad move on any of the, you know, like you've seen the former you know adult film, uh, what's her name? Mia Khalifa. Mia Khalifa. She well, does she this a lot. attention and she's getting it. She's doing some. Right. And, show, and I, right? I think, yeah. And I think that that's what a lot of these women are doing. And look, it's. If that's how they want to expose this situation, now what I'll give uh, Khalifa credit for is she doesn't cover up her responses. She just takes a straight screen grab and shows everyone the interaction. Whereas, yeah, I agree with you. This um, the Heidi Hoback who's doing this with LeBron. Not very fair if you're going to cover up what you're saying and only going to expose him. But I do, you know, you do have to go fifty-fifty blame though on LeBron's part, going like. What what do you do? You can't claim innocence. Like, there's nothing incriminating. Like, he's not saying anything like, meet me in this hotel room at this time or anything like that. Right. But it is just sort of like, like, you can't play innocence, man. Like, you're married with kids. She's like an Instagram model, like an attractive girl. It's it's pretty obvious what's going on. You can't, well, no, we're just, we're just talking about hunting. Like, come on. Just talking about hunting. Just talking about, what, what? I'll teach, you teach me how to hunt. What? I, w- I want to learn how to hunt. Uh, she's a big game hunter. Look, it wouldn't work with any uh, Ramos. You wouldn't work with your wife, right? Like, no, 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 no. no. 
Okay, but I guess here's here's the other defense if you if if the we're just talking about hunting defense doesn't work. What about the defense of look, it's just on the internet, it's not real life. It's just not it's just on Instagram, it's not real life. Just because you holler at somebody on Instagram is not like hollering at them in real life. I totally disagree with that. I, I, I didn't say you had to agree with it. <laughs> I'm asking if there's any if that is a viable excuse from LeBron James. I don't think so. Ramos? Uh, I do think you can have a conversation with people. It's just uh, how, when, you know, you keep following up with things like he did, which was, hey, where are you at? <laughs> I'm like, what, what do you mean where am I at? What's that to do with anything? Well, first, you don't end a sentence in a preposition, right? Where you are. I had a, my, my first college basketball coach was John McLeod. Where you are is basketball. Where you need to go is English class. Don't say where you at. You never end a sentence in a preposition. I'm like, okay, really? So he goes, where are you at? He Actually, didn't that's say, not true. He said, where are you? I take that back. You? He did say, where are you? So I want to make sure you? we're there saying the right things. LeBron. He's not He's not ending a sentence in a preposition. Um, I mean, like, look, none of these excuses would work with me. Dan, you've been married for about 15 minutes. Uh, how would this go? How would this go with the lovely Lisa? If if I were to send a message to someone, yeah, pretty girl, you're never gonna meet. Oh, that would be, uh, yeah, it'd be Dunsville, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> Dunsville. Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Like done. Yeah. Over. Finished. Finito. Hasta Ramos, la vista, Ramos, baby. Would you be done? Uh, I don't know about. I don't. I wouldn't say done, but Maybe it would be. It, it, yeah, it would not. It would not be good. No. Extended stay. Extended stay. John yeah. would sign a three-year contract with the couch. That's how. Uh, with with a possible fourth-year option. Yeah. With, Buyout. With, with, yeah. with her option. With her option. Yeah. That's not your option. Yes. Your, your option. Yes. She she's got a buyout clause in there. They all have buyout clauses in their contract. It's really weird how that works. Can I also Guys, just say really fast, Doug, to yeah. Suzanne, if you're listening, this is all hypothetical. We're talking. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh, you know what? The the only the only way to get out of the couch day, right? therapy oh let's go let's go talk it out uh all i was doing was sliding into her dms i didn't know she'd put me on blast and blow up my spot well i'm trying to sound like i'm 15 with this with with the verbiage i don't think it's that young a sound but nonetheless uh so i don't feel bad for lebron but i do kind of feel bad for lebron like it's it's not it's not inappropriate, but it's not appropriate. It's inappropriate because he's married. the uh, The assumption is that he's flirting, but like I don't know. Maybe he has a flirting clause within. He's LeBron James. We don't know. Maybe he has a flirting clause. Like Kirilenko, remember Andre Kirilenko had the hey once a year you can whatever you want. Like do you guys remember that Andre Kirilenko when he's with the Utah Jazz? That was a story. His wife gave him a hall pass once a year. Which just like January must have been the worst month, right? You're on the road and you're like, ooh, I got a hall pass. Can't use it here. Gotta save it. Gotta save it. It's like a coupon. Then imagine you get to December and like all of a sudden December 31st, that coupon's out and you end up, you're in Minnesota. It's kind of heavy. It's cold outside. Like, all right, I got this hall pass. I got it. It's basically a coupon you end up using on something you didn't want to use it on. But what if LeBron James has a – you can flirt. It ain't hurting anybody. What if he has that clause within his contract? It's very possible. All right, Doug Gottlieb, Show Fox Sports Radio.
Um, upcoming next, we will get to a uh, we'll get to a game. We'll dig into my uh, sack of games, find out what buyer has for us on Fox Sports Radio. Sleep on a Casper and you'll pick it over every mattress you've ever had. Test it yourself for a hundred nights risk free. Go to Casper.com, use the code Gottlieb, G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B, and you could save $75. That's Casper.com, code is Gottlieb. Minimum purchase required. See site for details, terms and conditions apply. Doug Gottlieb Show, here it comes. Hope you're having a great day. Yeah, we got some action tonight. I've been, re- I've been re- reminded. I saw action last week. It's bad football. There's been some really good football coaches coming to the MAC. There's been some good players. Uh, but the level of play right now is not at its peak. It is just not. But Maction tonight in college football. Also got some NBA basketball. Uh, th- the fascinating part about the NBA and the LeBron sliding into a Instagram model's DM is it takes us away from the fact that the Cavs are 4-6 and six and take on the Milwaukee Bucks, who just traded for Eric Bledsoe tonight in Cleveland. So, going to be fascinating to see. Uh, what happens with the Cavs? How quickly they can turn this thing around? The assumption is, of course, they will turn this thing around. Let's play a game. Game time. It's game time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Dan Beyer, what's the game today? Doug, the game today is, what are the chances this game in Shanghai in college hoops has got not one but two programs in hot water? Georgia Tech and their uh, violations self-reported by uh, Josh Pastner that maybe weren't as self-reported as they should be. And now LiAngelo Ball, one of three UCLA players, uh, arrested on shoplifting charges in China, according yeah, to I, ESPN. I know when you hear shoplifting in China, like it's not. I'm not saying it's good, it's bad. LiAngelo Ball, one of three UCLA players that um, were arrested for allegedly shoplifting in China. Um and that's Leangelo is the middle one who's the he really looks like a football player. Cody Riley, Jalen Hill, th- those are those are talented players now. Um, and you mentioned Georgia Tech losing their top two scores that didn't even make the trip. This will not be a great game, but it's not Singapore. They're not going to get caned, right? They're not going they're not going to get executed. And they're lucky that this isn't happening in like some south, uh, like in Saudi Arabia. Don't they don't they cut off your hand? Is that still happen? I'm not sure about the official rules and laws, but I'm sure it's probably not too good. Could be Sharia law, which of course we're very much against. <laughs> the uh, the game today is what are the chances? So what are Doug, the chances? So Doug, what are the chances that Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz wins the NFL's most valuable player award? Uh, I think it's pretty good. Um, part of the reason I think it's pretty good is Aaron Rodgers is hurt. Part of the reason it's pretty good is we usually give this award to. Uh, whatever quarterback is playing on a team that surprises us. I would still say that Tom Brady is probably the favorite because of his age. Uh, But I'm going to say there's a 30% chance that Carson Wentz wins the NFL's MVP. Remember, you have uh, Drew Brees and the surprising Saints at 6-2. I don't think Jared Goff will win it, uh, even though his team is 6-2. Uh, but I do think that Tom Brady will will probably be the favorite in the clubhouse uh, at, at the turn. Six and two, the Patriots. Everybody knows their defense stinks, and yet they've still won four games in a row. And because of his age, and because he's coming off a Super Bowl win, I would say that as of now, Wentz will be would be third, Breeze second, 
and Brady first. Bovada puts Wentz right now as a one-to-one favorite to win the MVP. Tom Brady, 21-10, to so just uh, almost at two-to-one. Those two right now, the far-and-away leaders, according to the uh, odds at Bovada. What are the chances, Doug? We've seen the last of Sam Bradford as a starting quarterback because of his knee injuries. Could be placed on IR. Going to see Dr. James Andrews in the very near future. Uh, I think pretty good. I-, I tweeted this out at the time in which – he did not start against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So before week two, go back in music if you want. Look through my timeline. And I said, I think we all know what the answer is. And it's just not the one we want with Sam Bradford, right? He's had a couple of ACLs. He's got so much, he, he's got so much scar tissue, they couldn't even MRI it and get a, a clear definition of what's going on in there. Uh, that sounds like a, this chronic pain sounds like something that you don't want to deal with. I'm going to say 75% chance he won't be a starting quarterback anymore. What are the chances, Doug, we see any change in the college football playoff top five rankings from a week ago? None of the top five lost, but there were some good wins in there for Oklahoma and Clemson and number two Alabama as well. Uh, I would say the chances are that we won't see any change. That we will see a change, that there's going to be a change in the top five. Hmm. Um. I think there'll be a change. I think Oklahoma, so the chance there will be a change. I think 85% chance mm. that Oklahoma moves up, even though they won a game, Clemson won a game, Notre Dame won a game, uh, Alabama and Georgia all won a game. I think Oklahoma and Clemson or Oklahoma will might even leapfrog Notre Dame, knowing that if the Irish win this week, it's a moot point. Uh, they're like a Stanford win away from competing for a national championship. All right, final one. What are the chances, Doug, the audience doesn't get your joke at your ethics speech that you'll soon deliver at Oklahoma State University? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. 50-50. Got a 50-50 <laughs> shot. That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Start him off with a joke. You guys have any ethics jokes you'd like me to, to, to work in there? Oh, jeez. Um, I don't know. Not my, uh, not my strong suit ethics. I'm not well, sure. Well, not necessarily yeah. ethics, but do you have quick one-liners? Do you have quips, jokes, uh, things that you would start a speech with that would, you know, start them off with a joke? Uh, I don't have anything offhand. I uh, wish so I could help you out. I, I appreciate it. I've been telling you how bad the Colts are since the preseason, but things might be worse. Find out how worse. What up? Doug Gottlieb show. Fox Sports Radio. Um, look, I've often said this, that that if it wasn't for poorly run franchises, wasn't for poorly run franchises, we couldn't say that some franchises are well run. Uh, The Colts appear to be one that have been run poorly for a long time. But uh, could their owner be getting in the way? Could their owner be getting in the way of Andrew Luck? Could they have already ruined the best of, of Andrew Luck? Um, the the title of Bob Kravitz, the longtime writer and uh, radio host as well in Indianapolis. Uh, the title is, Might Jim Irsay Run Andrew Luck Out of Indianapolis with His Intemperate Remarks? Kravitz, who's covered the Colts forever, uh, starts by saying there's a huge problem brewing between Jim Irsay and Andrew Luck. The kind of problem that may destroy a relationship between the owner and his team's best player. And you wonder now, might Ursay and his big mouth run luck out of Indianapolis? 
during a cut-in of the Dan Patrick radio show. You know, when you go to do DP show, the cameras are always on, and you're always, there's hot mics! Guest Tony Dungy, who did not know he was on air, told Patrick during a break that Ursay recently said he believes what's holding Luck back from returning to the field is more mental than physical. Patrick asked Dungy about the Luck situation. Here's the sound. Take a listen. This is Tony Dungy and Dan Patrick. Mic'd up. Remember, Tony Dungy doesn't know they're on air. The Andrew Luck situation, though. That was I don't the- know what's going on there. I really don't. And is he going to play? Jim Mercer made a comment about six weeks ago. You know, it's, it's inside his head now. And then now you're hearing that this has been 25 months. And he Wait, really it's has- inside Luck's head? Yeah, he said that... Um, Maybe when I, I guess when I was up there for Peyton's uh, ceremony. Wow. I wonder if Andrew Luck's future is in Indianapolis. I really do. I wonder. Hmm. That's, uh, that's uh, like no one wants to be called a liar, right? You ever watch an old Western? You calling me a liar? Right? You calling me a liar? You calling me a faker? You calling me a flopper? It's funny. Um, so I- I've told you guys that my son is he not very good yet at basketball, but he plays really, really, really hard. And I-, I have told you guys this about, about Hayes as a basketball player. Like, I'm not g- going to sit here and go like, oh, he's hitting threes and holding his follow through and he's Steph Curry. Like, he's a little fella. He's eight, eight and a half, playing against mostly nine and ten-year-olds. And he's improving rapidly, but he's not good. But what he does do is he plays hard. So I'm coaching a game Saturday morning. And at the end of the game, I use Hayes as my, like, designated inbound screener. Because if I tell him to go and set a pick for a guy, he's going to go and put meat to meat. He's going to go and try and screen somebody. So sure enough, he sets his screen. And he doesn't, and I hadn't. Really, this is my fault. I hadn't taught him about moving screens. He sets a moving screen, gets called for it because he kind of grabs the kid. We get a layup. They wipe it off the board. They come down. We foul with .3 seconds to go and lose. So in explaining to him what he did wrong, he told me that the last time he went to go and screen for the kid, he got run over, but the ref didn't call anything. So we're at the dinner table, and I said, Hayes, next time, next time, Somebody runs you over, you got to throw up your hands and go, ah! So my wife stopped me dead in my track. Are you teaching our son to be a flopper? I said, no. I'm teaching him to sell the call. Sell the call. So she's like, I can't believe you're teaching our kid to be a flopper. I said, I, I'm not teaching him to be a flopper. There's a, there's a difference there. There's a difference. So she didn't believe me, so I called my brother, who, of course, is an assistant coach at Oregon State. First, I called his house on FaceTime, talked to his kids. And I, and I didn't want to be rude, but I was probably was like, ah, I really want to talk to your dad, not my nieces and nephews and sister-in-law. So we called my brother. He's actually running out to run an errand for his wife. And put him on speakerphone, and he agreed with me that you have to sell the call. The point is that my wife is still kind of in that old-school mentality of, you calling me a liar? Don't call my kid a flopper. Don't teach my kid to flop. And I think how this comes across is Jim Ursay saying, it's all in his head. 
There's nothing wrong with him. There's two parts to it. There is the mental aspect of any comeback, especially when you're um, when you know, like the greatest attribute you have. What makes or breaks your career is your shoulder, is your arm. And if you've had a near NFL uh, death experience in your inability to rehab that shoulder properly and get that thing worked on, you're going to be super sensitive to it. So part of me says, hey, that's, that's his instrument. Right? That's, his, his, that's his trumpet playing lips. That's his guitar playing fingers. His shoulder is, that's a hundred and fifty plus million dollars shoulder. Of course he's going to be sensitive to it. And there is a reality of anybody who's ever come back from a catastrophic injury will tell you like, yeah, even when you're back, I mean, just think of when you pulled your hamstring. Everybody has this. You pull your hamstring. I pulled mine about a, a month ago and you feel fine. You're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But what you don't want to do is you're like not ready to go full speed because it felt fine before you pulled it, and in the in your mind you feel the pulled muscle even when there is no pulled muscle. So the question, the the, the honest question is, when Ursay said it, how was it met by Andrew Luck? Was it met? You calling me a liar? Or was it Luck saying, you know, listen, I understand it might be in my head, and maybe it is, but athletes know their body better than anybody else, especially like here's one thing, and music. You're an athlete. You can. Do you know how much you weigh right now? Like, if you stood up, you're standing stand up right now. Uh, yep. Do you about know um, could to 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 the pound or two? Could you guess how much you weigh? Yeah. Yeah, I think most athletes can. Now, there's a lot of you guys sitting there, Ramos and Byers, sitting there going like, "Well, I know how much I weigh." Yeah, about. There's just there's something about being in tune with your body. One of the things I've never believed is anybody who's like, I took supplements, I didn't know what I was taking, I tested positive for PEDs. When you're a professional-level athlete, needless, even, even I even think a collegiate athlete, you know how much you weigh, you know how your body feels, you know exactly what you put into it. And you're so in tune with it that when something's not right, you feel it even if the doctor doesn't see it. That's really what Sam Bradford's saying here. Sam Bradford saying the, the MRA doesn't come up that I tore anything, but it just doesn't feel right. So it may sound like I'm taking both sides of it. I kind of am. I understand what Ursay's probably saying. Hey, look, we did all these tests. He's had the surgery. This has got to be in his head. But you got to be very careful how that story gets out. And now that Tony Dungy leaks it out, even if he didn't intend to do so, now you start looking around going like, are you calling me a liar? Don't call me a liar. But we did say that he would miss the season that, um, and that it might be the best thing that could happen. Recently, there was a report out of Denver, unconfirmed locally, that Ursay was upset at Luck because he felt like the quarterback had given him every reason to believe he would be back either the start of the season or early in the season. During the summer, in fact, Ursay told reporters that Luck would be back for the season opener. And then preseason game against Detroit, he insisted Luck would return early in the year. So Ursay's a little hurt because he put his name out there, and now he looks like a liar because he said that Luck would be back and looks like somebody just trying to sell tickets to go see his star quarterback. 
And I'm sure Luck in his camp think that Ursay called him a liar because he's saying that all of the issues with Andrew Luck's shoulder are just in his head. Yeah, I, I would say that's a recipe for a, a fractured relationship, but I don't think re- that relationship is broken if they have, in fact, continued to converse on the matter. Right, Chris uh, Sims from Bleacher Report will join us up coming next. Uh, I want to ask him about Notre Dame. If you haven't seen, uh, Jamal Adams got her got concussed, so we don't know his status for this upcoming game. Winbush, their quarterback, is a tremendous runner who does have a good arm but hasn't been called on to use it a bunch. We'll talk some Notre Dame-Miami. We'll find out what happened to Penn State, what happened to Ohio State, and Oklahoma-Oklahoma State. Great offense or subpar defense? Talk some college football with Chris Sims, the Bleacher Report, upcoming next. But first, I got to tell you how I love sleeping on this Casper mattress. While I'd pick, well, I'd pick it over every mattress I've ever had. It really does help me get the best night's sleep, period. Once you try Casper, you're going to love it as much as I love mine. Switching to Casper, to me, was a no-brainer. I sleep cool, I sleep comfortable, thanks to Casper's two high-tech foams. Casper ships right to your door for free in a small how they do that size box. They'll even pick it up if you don't lo- love it and refund you every single penny. Sleeping on a mattress is the best way to try it. Put Casper to the test in your home for just for 100 nights risk-free. Go to Casper.com and use the code Gottlieb, and you can save $75 on your purchase. That's Casper.com. The code is Gottlieb, G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B. Why wouldn't you try it? It's 100 nights risk-free, and it's $75 off. That's Casper.com. The code is Gottlieb. Minimum purchase required. See site for details. Terms and conditions apply. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, let's apologize for a guy named Reed Forgave, who's a uh, clearly a pay-the-players sort of guy. Uh, <laughs> Reed uh, writes for CBSSports.com, also wrote for GQ, the magazine, and uh, with the uh, three players uh, playing for UCLA who've been arrested for shoplifting, getting ready for their opening night game against Georgia Tech, who's without two of their players for... Um, uh, let, let's let's go quickly to Dan Byer. Go ahead. Breaking news from Fox Sports. Doug, sorry to interrupt, but Major League Baseball has just sent out a tweet from their official handle saying that two-time Cy Young Award winner Roy Halladay was killed in a plane crash today. The news coming in as there were reports that a plane owned by Halladay had crashed, but now Major League Baseball on their official Twitter account tweeting out that Roy Halladay was killed in a crash, two-time Cy Young Award member or winner, as I mentioned, an eight-time All-Star. Roy Halladay was 40 years old. Wow. Wow. And uh, as you guys have come to learn, I have several friends that play Major League Baseball, and he's uh, Doc, as he was, was, was known, was a just a beloved guy, just like one of those – Great dudes. Four-time Cy Young Award winner killed at the age of 40. Sad, sad stuff. All right, I'll get to what Reed Forgave tweeted and how idiotic it is uh, upcoming. 
Uh, all right, from sad news, let's not let us completely bum us out because we do have great college football this weekend, and Chris Sims does an amazing job of covering it, uh, covering Notre Dame games for NBC. And, of course, he has part of his own radio show uh, on uh, Pro Football Talk on NBC Sports Radio, and then you can read his work on Bleach Report. Here's a guy that's got a lot of different jobs. Chris, let's let's start with the Irish. Uh, right. How good – I know they has. I know. I know Jamal Adams is hurt or has the concussion, uh, but how good do you think this team is talent-wise? Uh, I, I think they're pretty legit. I think they're actually being underrated in in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I, I really do. And and let me let me get this straight. I mean, my whole life, I think Notre Dame's been overrated. I mean, when I was at Texas, I mean they were stealing BCS games from me and. Uh, but I think this is truly a year where they've been underrated to a degree. And the first thing is, as you know, or anybody who's been watching college football, the, old, the offensive line is special. Uh, there's no doubt about that. The two guys on the left side, McGlinchey and Nelson, they are first-round talent. Uh, they are the best left side in college football for my money. And the rest of the old line is really good, too. So it's full of pros. Then you add to the running backs, and then you add to Brandon Winbush, who is the absolute perfect college quarterback and Doug unlike years past too these you, you want to say oh okay well we'll load the box we'll stop the run no they got receivers this year at Notre Dame too so you got to be a little careful about leaving players one-on-one down the field because Winbush can throw it deep and these guys can go get it why were they so uh, affected by the athleticism of Georgia when they lost to him at home you know, I, I don't think they were uh, actually, you know, I really don't think they were affected by the athleticism. I, I think, first of all, if you went back and watched the game again, you'd go, oh, wow, it was a really close game. It was a controversial one-handed catch in the back of the end zone that was initially called incomplete, and then they reviewed it and called it complete and gave Georgia a touchdown, and I still, I still think it was incomplete. So uh, I look at it that way. Really, the, the, what they ran into there is they were okay with the athleticism, Georgia's just a bunch of big suckers, Doug. They were one of the few teams, and I think one of the few teams in college football, that can stand in there and slug it out with that Notre Dame offensive line and at least slow down the dominant run game. Uh, but I, I think Notre Dame has improved a lot. I know Georgia has, too. Uh, but, yes, I mean, Alabama, Georgia, those are two teams. Clemson, their front four, they can, you know, at least slow down this Notre Dame run attack. Chris Sims joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. All right, what about Miami? They got the turnover chain. Uh, they've survived. You know, they survived uh, Georgia Tech a couple weeks ago. Looked really good this past weekend, uh, quite obviously. Uh, right. how, leg- how legit in terms of percentage of back is the U? Because when I say back to the U, that, those old U teams just had more <laughs> NFL talent than other people. Is that what we're seeing from, from this Mark Rick-led team? No, not yet, not yet. I mean, like you said, the, those old, you know, the U teams, those were special. I mean, that was legitimately when we might have been able to have a conversation, like could this college team beat some pro teams in the, in the NFL? Uh, they were stacked, like you said. I mean, Sean Taylor, Ed Reed, you know, uh, Moss and, and Andre Johnson. I mean, it was ridiculous. Clinton Portis, McGahee. But uh, I do think this, it's on the right track in Miami, they have the size and physicality uh, that you would like out of a top-tier football team, and I do think they're front four. When you look at them, they look the part, so I'm excited for that battle. I think the, piece, the pieces that Miami are missing, they don't have those explosive special skill guys quite yet. I think they're coming because I think Mark Rick can really recruit, and he'll get them there, but I don't think they're back to what they once were in their glory days. All right, so who do you like? 
Uh, I like Notre Dame. I got to see it to believe it. Like I said, I mean, you, 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 Notre Dame has come out every week and just imposed their offensive physical dominance on everybody except for Georgia. And really, I think they're, like I said a little earlier, they're a better football team now. Uh, the, this defense that Notre Dame has with Mike Elko as a defensive coordinator, it's special. They don't let up a lot of big plays. Uh, I, I like Notre Dame in like a tough, fought physical football game. I'm going to say like 27-24, 27-23, that type of range. What happened to Ohio State? Uh, Ohio State, you know, I mean, hey, uh, to me in the, the big scheme of things, they can't do it every year. I mean, how many players did they lose to the NFL last year? So uh, it is a little surprising to me that their defense has been steamrolled here as of late, especially the first three quarters against Penn State. Uh, last week it was horrible. But, again, I mean, Urban Meyer is all legend. You, you can't just replace some of the bodies that they've lost over the last few years. I don't care who you are. Uh, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma combined for over 110 points. 62-52 was the final score. How much of that was great offense? How much of it was porous defense? Uh, I mean, they don't play defense in the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12, for my money, and let's, let's, I'll preface it with, I like the Big 12. I played in the Big 12, so I have Big 12 pride. But the Big 12 stinks, plain and simple. I don't know any other way to put it. It's a flag football league. It's a seven-on-seven football league. I don't think they can sit there and physically mix it up with the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons, the Notre Dames of the world. I really don't. Uh, they never play defense in that conference. Now, I'll say this. There's some good quarterback play. I mean, Baker Mayfield's a baller. There's no doubt about it. And it's not just a college baller either, Doug. He's, he's like legit NFL talent to me. I don't know if you've seen me on the NBC broadcast. I hope you're tuning in to watch me because you like me. I but, do. <laughs> but regardless. I, 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 I do, uh, and, I, and I talked to an NFL GM last night that asked me. He's like, hey, you know people in Oklahoma find out about, you know, what type of kid he is. Everybody says he's, he, he does not have the Manziel-type issues, but he does have the Manziel-type swag. He's yes. got a big arm. He's little he like Man. He's little like Manziel, but probably a bigger arm. Right. Uh, and, and but is a tremendous leader. No, I'm with you. My my problem with that that narrative of them not playing defense. And how do they go up and shut Ohio State down at the shoe? How do they go and and win that game? Yeah, you know? well, I mean, uh, we're we're seeing Ohio State's not the greatest football team around, and that was early in the year. I mean, you know, again, it's college football where there's no preseason games. These are young kids and. Uh, it can lead to a lot of different things. Am I going to sit here and lie to you and say I watched that film and know exactly what happened? No, I don't. But I watched it on TV. Uh, and, again, I think we're seeing that Ohio State's maybe not as special as we thought, really. Uh, and maybe the Big Ten in general is not quite as special as everybody thought it was. But uh, as a whole, I mean, Mayfield's an equalizer. I'll, I'll say that at least. And, and the guy I think could look at him more than anything, and I've said this on some of the telecasts, when I look at Baker Mayfield, I think Russell Wilson. I mean, that's the yep. type of player he is to me. And like you said, he has a big-time arm. It's an NFL, like, uh, legit, he can throw the ball and push the ball down the field with big throws. Chris Sims joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on uh, Fox Sports Radio. Sam Darnold's turned the ball over a ton. Uh, you know about the decisions to stay or go pro. Uh, it's not like he's a kid that has to go. He doesn't have to. He has two years uh, more to play if he desires to do so. What are your thoughts on his development and how quickly he should make that jump? Yeah, I, I don't think he's there. Well, I'll, I'll say this, and I've said this publicly before. I mean, we all have to pump the brakes, and I said this even before the season started, with Sam Darnold being the slam dunk number one pick. You know, sometimes just 
uh, people that are not qualified are making qualifying statements, especially in the NFL, and it drives me crazy. I'll take a shot. I mean, it's the ESPN Sports Center broadcasters. That's the one uh, they tell me every. You know, they told me Matt Barkley was the the first pick of the draft, and they told me Tim Tebow was the greatest quarterback they ever saw. So. Uh, I think when I really just look at Sam Darnold, he's a really good football player. The one thing that concerns me is his throwing, plain and simple. I have not seen a whole lot of quarterbacks in my years, and you know I grew up in an NFL household where uh, I'm pretty obsessed with the game and obsessed with quarterback play. I haven't seen too many guys that have been successful with that type of motion, that long windup. It's kind of Blake Bortles-ish. It's kind of Tim Tebow-ish. It's better than that, don't get me wrong. But it does concern me, and it is some of the reasons we've seen more turnovers from him this year because there, there is errant passes down the field. Yeah, he's made a few mistakes just reading coverage and things like that, but physically just some of the quality of the throws that are, are what scares me. And, and I look forward, if he does come out, to really studying him and see what he's got. No, it's going to be fascinating to see exactly what he has. Last thing, you, we, we talked a little Georgia. You saw them early in the year in their win uh, against Notre Dame. They're right. ranked number one. They go down to Auburn. Uh, Auburn has Stidham at quarterback. They're kind of they're, It feels like a year to which Auburn does something crazy like beats Georgia and beats Alabama. Like it just feels like one of those weird years. Uh, this is an incredible. This is the longest uh, running rivalry, the biggest rivalry in the South. Really, people think Alabama and Auburn, but in terms of state border wars, Georgia and Auburn are as big as they get. Likelihood Auburn pulls off an upset in the Plains this weekend. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I really do. I look at it as a fifty-fifty ball game because the the one thing, like we talked about with Georgia, they can physically hang in there with you with anybody. It doesn't. That that's not the problem. Auburn's going to be able to physically hang in there with Georgia as well, so they're not going to get overpowered. And the one thing that jumps out to me when I watch Auburn and you said his name, Stidham. Stidham. Am I saying it right? Is it Stidham? Yep. Yep. He, he's the best quarterback in the SEC, especially just from throwing the football. And when there's people open downfield, he strikes. He can really throw it. So from there, that's where there it's dangerous. Because Georgia, I don't think they've really seen a quarterback like that that can stretch the field, make throws into a hole against cover two, safety and corner. Uh, that's where I think the game can get interesting. And, of course, they've got a, play, uh, a few playmakers uh, that he can give the ball to in the backfield as well. All right, Chris. Listen, I know you have all those jobs because you got to pay for those horses uh, for your daughter. So <laughs> yeah, my I'll... damn daughter's horseback uh, riding lessons—they're they're definitely taking some dollars out of my bank account. Oh man! Like, hey, I asked my wife. I asked my wife if she could find a sport to which I know nothing about and is remarkably expensive. And she absolutely she completed the task. She's like found the most expensive sport that you know nothing about. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, th- thank you very much. Here goes your check and your money right out the window. All right, dude. Well, listen, have a great weekend. Enjoy covering this thing, and we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Be good. good All right, that's you. Chris Sims from uh, Bleach Report. Does an outstanding job. Uh, sad news in the world of sports. Let's bring in Dan Beyer. Uh, sorry, I mean, like, it's, it's, that's a, it's a hard deal to have. A, Chris is a friend. We live close to each other. We worked uh, some together at, at CBS. Uh, so to anybody, when you hear this story, I, I don't want to sound callous. But, you know, like, I, I can't do Debbie Downer radio when we have a really sad story from the world of professional baseball. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, Doug. Roy Halladay, two-time Cy Young Award winner, eight-time All-Star, 16-year baseball career, killed in a plane crash today just off the coast of Florida in the Gulf of Mexico. 
The crash happened in Pasco County, Florida, and authorities say there that the plane crashed in the Gulf just 10 miles west of St. Petersburg. Halliday spent the first 12 years of his career with the Toronto Blue Jays, last four with the Phillies, one of two players to throw a perfect game or to throw a no-hitter that is in a postseason game. He and Don Larson, the only two. So Roy Halliday, who is Hall of Fame eligible in two. 2019 was killed in a plane crash today in Florida. Roy Halladay was 40 years old. Big trade in the NBA. The Sun sent guard Eric Bledsoe to the Bucks for forward Greg Monroe and a protected first round and protected second round pick. Hornet center Dwight Howard was fined $25,000 for making an obscene gesture towards a fan in Sunday's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. While Lakers forward Lowell Deng apparently wants a trade or a buyout, according to ESPN. Three UCLA basketball players, including Leangelo Ball, have been arrested on shoplifting charges in China. Bruins are set to play Georgia Tech in their season opener in Shanghai coming up on Friday. ESPN says Cody Riley and Jalen Hill were the other Bruins also arrested on those shoplifting charges. Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson will have a surgery for his torn ACL coming up on Wednesday. Texans today signed Josh Jackson and released Matt McGloin. And finally, Vikings are considering placing quarterback Sam Bradford on IR because of a sore knee. He's expected to see Dr. James Andrews this week. The... Uh... The Matt McGlynn era didn't exactly last a long time. <laughs> no, I don't know when they're going to retire his Texans jersey, but we'll uh, put that one up in the uh, rafters of NRG Stadium. Maybe uh, maybe 2018 they can do that. Do you? How would you define a non sequitur? No, I have no idea. Uh, music, you want to take a shot? Uh, no, I do not because I actually don't have a clue. Okay, a non sequitur is a statement that doesn't follow logically from – from one to another, like you're you're combining things that aren't really combinable, or you're comparing things non-comparable things. All right, let me let me give you an example. Uh, reason why um, the names of the three buyer, the names of the three UCLA players, uh, Jello Ball was caught shoplifting. Who are the other two? Cody Riley and Jalen Hill. Cody Riley and Jalen Hill. So Reed Forgave, who writes for uh, CBSSports.com. A read four gave tweets out as we think about today's bad news in college hoops, impermissible benefits at Georgia Tech, shoplifting at UCLA. Remember this, perhaps these things never would have occurred if we allowed amateur athletes a bigger share of the big money collegiate pie. Because Jello Ball, who has a Ferrari, a Ferrari, he has a Ferrari. The idea, what Reed Four gave is saying is like. Listen, I know they stole in a foreign country and embarrassed their families, themselves, the universities that paid uh, to have them go there. Frankly, our country, it's embarrassing. I know all that. But let's not blame the players who actually did this. Let's blame the NCAA because we think they're somehow holding back some billions and billions and billions of dollars of money. All right, Reed, listen, that's just stupid just stupid Uh, it's what's called a non sequitur it's a non sequitur first of all the idea that leangelo ball doesn't have money in his pocket when he has a ferrari at home is stupid uneducated and what you're trying to get is confirmation bias from the masses you're trying to get people to go like oh yeah oh yeah billions and billions second of all you're not being realistic about it the billions of dollars in tv money are definitely not for georgia tech basketball There's no wanton desire for Georgia Tech basketball. There just isn't. If not for two Georgia Tech players being suspended, you wouldn't be able to name two Georgia Tech players playing basketball. 
And I, I grew up loving point guard you and Bobby Kremens, and he offered me a scholarship in my house. They had Mark Price. I love the Enid Plainsman Mark Price. And Travis Best and Kenny Anderson and Stefan Marbury. Like, they had baller point guards there. But let's, like, the billions and billions. Everybody uses the term billions of dollars. Like, there's 70-some-odd teams. It's contracts that are paid out over 20 years. Most of them are for football. And therefore, they're not for the 99.9% of players. They're for the teams, the brands, and the 0.1% of players that people actually care about. The idea that a player should, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, when you go play in China, you get money. It's not spending money as per diem, but you don't actually need it. They probably had a couple hundred bucks in their pocket for the trip, in addition to whatever they had from home. And so forgiving, uh, forgiving illicit behavior because the NCAA only allows a cost of attendance. The NCAA only pays these guys five, $6,000 above the full scholarship, room, board, tuition, books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And somehow using it to, you know what, I think if they would have paid him. No, they wouldn't. Because you're not taking human nature into effect. The idea that, like, first of all, players who, like, Leangelo Ball is going to get cost of attendance, right? $5,000 or $6,000, whatever you get at UCLA. However many months, however many years he stays at UCLA, he is not at the level of his younger brother or his older brother in terms of how they're viewed. But the idea that he needs more money because a college makes money off of him when he hasn't even played a game yet is the dumbest crap I've ever heard. Stop this. I'd like to think that people who write and do commentary about sports are smarter. But you're writing and speaking and tweeting and allowing me to think otherwise. Oh. Ugh. Ugh. Yes, we should feel bad about UCLA profiting off Lonzo Ball's image in his six months on campus so that his dad can profit off Lonzo Ball's image for the rest of his natural life. Anyway. Um, boy, the Roy Halladay story is sad. Best uh, pitched Roy Halladay game I can remember. The game that he was involved in one year to which I'm going to say it's 2011. 2011 season. Bayer, do you remember game five of the, I'm going to say it's the NLDS. Um, game five of the NLDS, he actually lost. And I want to say he, I want to say he pitched like a one hitter or something crazy like that. In um, was it the NLDS in Game Five? Taking a look here, it was a one nothing win by the Cardinals. Correct. That's, yes, that's correct. Is that that was that was 2011? Correct. Yes, and and Halliday went eight innings and struck out seven, allowed one earned and six hits. Six hits. Okay, so it was it was uh, Carpenter. Carpenter only allowed how, what one hit or something? 
Yeah, three-hitter, I think. Three-hitter. Three That's when they tore off Carpenter's clothes. That was on a Friday night. It was one of those baseball being played on a Friday night. There was great college football on Saturday, great NFL game on Sunday, and nobody paid attention. But Roy Halladay was money. That's just sad. You know, people always say that we were about helicopters, personal planes with small planes. I know the numbers still say they're safe, but a lot of guys have gone in that stuff. I, Payne, I, Payne Weber. I mean, Payne, Payne Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. Payne Stewart. Payne Stewart, of course, famously. This is – Halliday is due up for induction into the Hall of Fame in 2019. And when you think about the era that he pitched in, there are many people think that he could be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I would say he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. When Wouldn't you, you? Yeah, yeah, I think so, for sure. And, and, and that's, not, that's not the emotions of today that I'm saying that. I'm saying that you look at uh, – you mentioned, like, look, he pitched – at towards the end of the steroid era, um, and he he was a horse in that he led the league in innings pitched, I think four different times, um, and he led the league in strikeouts to walks ratio five different times. He uh, people will go to wins and losses because you know he only has two hundred wins. I mean, sadly, this will probably cement him in the Hall of Fame. But a three point three eight ERA, two hundred or so wins. And pitching well in the in Major League Baseball for a decade, uh, I think I think he's in first ballot. I could be wrong. Um, he also led the league in complete games seven times. So while the the wins might not stack up in comparison to past eras, in this era, that's a winning pitcher. You also look at the bridge from what you have with the great Toronto Blue Jay teams when Cito Gaston was the manager in the early '90s and. Joe Carter's running around the bases. Toronto Blue Jays baseball after that wasn't much. And realistically, aside from maybe a couple of runs that we've had in the AL postseason these last couple of years, it hasn't been much in between. The only thing that they really had during that span was Roy Halladay. Yeah. Re- realistically, when you look at the, the the face of the Blue Jays organization for the 12 years that he was there and, and then ended up at he gets acquired by the Philadelphia Phillies, and then the Phillies use him in, in some of their postseason runs. But really, the face of that franchise for uh, years and years in Toronto, just really, really sad. And, and I know fans all around baseball are taking it hard, but specifically in Toronto, I think about today with this uh, with this Roy Halladay news. It's terrible, terrible stuff. Nick Wright thinks the Cowboys are right where they needed to be after their win over the Chiefs. I'll tell you if I agree or disagree on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Broadcasting live from... With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Every day at this time, we like to play you a portion of a radio show or a TV show on radio that occurred earlier today under the Fox Sports Radio banner. Starts early in the morning with Clay Travis to First Things First with... uh, Chris Carter, Nick Wright, Jenna Wolf. Of course, they hand their show on Sirius XM 83 off to Undisputed. That's Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp, and Joy Taylor's show. You got the Dan Patrick show. You got Colin Cowherd. You got Rich Eisen. You got all the shows that follow mine. We call it. And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say? What does the Fox say? Uh, Nick Wright on First Things First had this to say about the Dallas Cowboys. And so now we have a big enough sample of the season uh, to say it about the Cowboys. Here's what we know. They've had one bad football game, the game against the Broncos. That's it. Every other game this year, 
they have either won or they had a double-digit lead-in at some point and then lost it. The Cowboys have been up 10 in every game they've played this year, at least 10, except for that Broncos game. To CeCe's point about style points, they don't have any. All their wins are blowout wins. So they have five wins, five wins by multiple scores. Their two losses, they blew big leads, and then the one very bad game against Denver. And lastly, to your point about time of possession, last month, man, they sure seem like they're getting back to it. Last four games, averaging a 33-minute time of possession. League yep. high in the season for the year is 33-and-a-half with Philly. Like, they are looking a lot like the team that made them dominant last season. I, I tend to agree that the Cowboys seem to be trending up. I don't know whether I'm willing to say that they tend to look like the dominant team of last season. I think their schedule is prohibitively more difficult. I think there have been signs to which you'd say Dak uh, maybe hasn't regressed but isn't isn't taking the league by storm because people have figured him out. I think Dez looked better this past weekend, but Dez is not a superstar wide receiver. I think Jason Witten has aged, but I think the defense is better. I think the running game is still good. The offensive line is still good. Dak is still good. Dez is still good. And I think that all signs have them trending up. Do I think they're a dominant team? I don't. But in a year in which Aaron Rodgers is hurt, Andrew Luck is hurt, J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson is hurt. Like, I go through all the guys that are hurt. What's left is a really good Cowboy team that's made to look a little bit better because they're good offensive and defensive lines and running back where so many other teams are inept. What does the fuck say? All right, and that's, uh, that's what the Fox said. Frank Vogel will join the show upcoming next. We'll find out kind of surprising how quickly they've turned around the uh, the Orlando Magic. Magic were bad for a couple years there. Changed general managers, changed coaches several times over. Frank Vogel comes in from the Indiana Pacers and, uh, and, and has done a tremendous job there. How sustainable is their early season, season success? We're going to ask him. We're going to ask him. Um, the breaking news of the day is Roy Halladay, 40 years old, former eight-time All-Star, passed away. He died in a plane crash. Small plane crash in the Gulf Coast. Yeah, the plane crash thing. Obviously, I, if, if you don't know, I'm broadcasting today Actually, high atop Boone Pickens Stadium here at my, my alma mater, Oklahoma State. And uh, look, my, my alma mater was involved in two plane crashes. Both the men's and women's teams, several years apart, involved in small plane crashes. And I remember when the crash occurred for the men's team. That was the year after I left school in 2001, January of 2001. And my, my survivor's guilt was uh, minimized at times because I get on the plane. I was like, well, you know, I feel terrible about saying this. But if you have friends who die in a plane crash, what are the chances you die in a plane crash? Right? Like, I'm, a, I'm all about a percent, like, right? percentage of uh, chance it happens. What are the chances? We played that earlier today. And then, of course, the women's coach was killed in a plane crash not many years later. That's just uh, incredible. The The odds of that happening are incredibly minor, incredibly small. Right. Um, and then you have the, uh, in addition to LeVar Ball calling out Luke Walton over fourth quarter playing time, 
Now you have Jello Ball, who's yet to play a college basketball game, get arrested for shoplifting before the Bruins play in Shanghai, China. All right, we'll catch up with Frank Vogel. How real is the Orlando Magic start? Find out next in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. What up? It's the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Sad news today. I mean, just really, really sad news. Roy Halladay died in a plane crash, 40 years old, 40 years young, to be honest. Roy Halladay, younger than me. Yeah, like, I don't know how long I'll be blessed to be on this earth, but 40 is just not long enough. Thankfully, I've made it past 40. 42, not long enough for me. I'll go a long time. That'd be my goal, a long time. Uh, Boys, I am in the Midwest today, and it's cold. And you know what I also found about cold? I don't like it nearly as much as I used to tolerate it previously. Like, your blood thins out really, really quickly. It just does. Like... Guys, when did I start? I started about six and a half months ago, right? Six and a half months ago I started the show. So of my last 14 years of my life, 12 of them have been spent living in the state of Connecticut. And so you'd think you build up a tolerance to the cold. Right? You'd think you build up some sort of tolerance to it to where you're like, ah, I'm used to it. First time back in it, I'll be fine. I've lived that life. And some of it is also, you know, how you dress, the gloves, the scarf. Scarf's wildly underrated. But gloves, wildly overrated. Now, don't get me wrong. A good pair of gloves, keeping your hands warm, uh, that'll warm your whole body up, as will a scarf. The difference is that gloves, it's so hard for you to do what you normally do, like be on your phone. And I do know that some of those phones, some of those gloves, have the, hey, you can swipe with this glove or whatever. It's just hard to be the normal you with those gloves on, whereas you can be the normal you and have your whole body warmed up when you're wearing a scarf. Uh, But the cold weather, maybe that's what's affecting Cleveland as it's turned cold. They are 4-6 and on the year. Milwaukee, that just made the, I don't know, it's a blockbuster trade, but they got Eric Bledsoe and finally shed Greg Monroe. Just 4-5. and I don't love the if the playoffs were to begin today because we still got 72 games for the most part, 71. But it is at least interesting, interesting that, you know, Boston lost Gordon Hayward and they're sitting there at nine and two. Or what about Orlando? I'd say if there's a, a team as or more surprising than the Orlando Magic and their hot start. I'm not, not really sure it exists. Let's catch up with Frank Vogel, the head coach of the Orlando Magic. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. I was talking about how quickly my blood thinned out moving from Connecticut to California, moving from uh, Indianapolis to Orlando. Now when you go to cold-weather cities, how much are you like, how did I, how did I do this? <laughs> well, it's, it's a big change, that's for sure. But uh, I've gotten used to packing coats. When I go north, <laughs> I know, but it's like first, even the first year, as much as you're like, well, looks, and I've built up, I've built up kind of this resistance to the cold. It's really like your first year in. All of a sudden, you all, you you feel it, right? It like rattles your rattles your bones right away. Or did you did you have that kind of one year uh, built in to where it didn't affect you nearly as badly? No, it affected me some last year. You know, when you go up north and uh, you know you just get a get a 
get a taste of that cold weather. It hits you pretty hard. <laughs> What's changed so dramatically with this team? And I know it's early on, and I know you'll go through tough stretches, but the team looks, feels so different than in, in the recent years. What's different? Well, you know, I thought I think the the talent level is coming back around, and we're growing. We got a, a lot of young players that have gone through a lot of growing pains, and you know, we were uh, we thought we were poised to take a, a a big jump last year, and um, you know, it didn't work out early in the season when we were trying to play a style of play with uh, with a lot of big guys, and um, you know, we shifted our identity mid season you know, to try to modernize our team and uh, to play more of a small ball approach with switching and. You know, three-point shooting and and tempo and pace, and uh, you know we we put a lot planted the seeds for a lot of this uh, style of play last year, and and you know in the hopes that you know, we could kind of pick up where we left off last year, and we we had a little bit of success last year, and um, you know it's resulting in some some wins early on this season. You know, it's interesting because you implemented a more of a small ball approach at the end of your run in Indianapolis, right? I mean, putting Paul George at the four, which at first he was. Uh, he was kind of standoffish about, it, and then he—I think—he started to understand, like, "Hey, wait, that means I get—I get mismatches." How—how uh, how different is this team and this compilation, this roster, from the roster you had in Indiana, in which you went small there? Yeah, well, you know, Paul George is, is obviously a difference maker, you know, with that team, and um, you know, it was all designed to help Paul, and, and ultimately did, did not really play before. We played small ball, but. You know, we we ended up using Solomon Hill or CJ Miles as the as the four with that group, and uh, you know allowed him to play to his strengths in terms of guarding perimeter, uh, guarding on the perimeter on the other end as opposed to you know boxing out big guys, and uh, you know it worked out well uh, for that group. And you know I learned a lot about uh, this style of play with that last season I had in Indiana, and you know I've able I've been able to uh, incorporate a lot of those lessons and and how uh, the game is played now and how much it's changed over the last few years here in in, in Orlando. Uh, you've taken 295 threes in 10 games. So look, my math is, you know, right? That's like 29 and a half uh, per game, which is a lot. And we look at the pace and space era, which the NBA is clearly in, and the league average is about 33s a game, which has spiked up to kind of an all-time high. Granted, very early in the season, but this is a a trend to which is not going to end by the end of this year. What's the limit? Like, what is – there's got to be a point to which – because if it, if last year it was, like, in the mid-20s and this year it's 30, then it stands to reason next year is 35. Like, what's the point to which, all right, there's no more possible number of threes you can take per game? I don't know. I saw Houston shot 57 in a game earlier this year. <laughs> I think that was might have been the most that I've seen. Um, I don't know really. I don't really know where the limit is. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, there's there's definitely an emphasis on, you know, if you can't get the rim, kick it out for threes. You know, and uh, we're emphasizing that with our team. We want uh, we want layups or free throws first and, and open threes second. And uh, if we don't have that, we want to work the possession until we get one of those. We want to minimize our mid range shots. And uh, you know, there's still a place for that in our in our game, but it's not the highest efficiency play. And um, you know, our guys are, uh, are buying into that and uh, adopting this style. Have you ever taken a guy out for taking a mid-range jump shot? No. <laughs> I've, I've taken guys out for taking uh, contested jump shots, you know, but, uh, you know, that's that's a contested jump shot, whether it's uh, a mid-range or a three or, or whatever. You know, we don't want to take bad shots. Uh, what else do the numbers tell you? As you've kind of fully embraced – kind of the, the new era of, of NBA, I think the layman says, okay, well, I get it, layups and threes, especially corner threes. But what other, what other parts, because everybody has the analytics department and you're trying to find an edge, 
What else do the numbers tell you that we don't, as fans, know enough about? Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that's a loaded question. We could probably have a 10-hour conversation about, you know, uh, what, what each in particular stat means. Um, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, we're trying to – I've always felt like even when we had slower teams uh, back in Indiana, that pace was important, that we tried to try to play um, – you know, attacking early in the clock. You know, you got to get some buckets before the defense is set. You know, whether you're a big post-up team or a, or a pace and space team, um, you know, you want to play that way. So offensively, we're, we're preaching that. And, um, you know, we, we want that, but we don't want to force or attack early. You know what I mean? We want to we want to uh, either attack early or attack late. Right. If we don't have something great early in the clock, we'll work the possession until we get something good. And, um, you know, so I think one of the, the stats uh, – you know, that is um, a little bit misleading is, is the pace stat, you know, which uh, factors in two sides of the basketball. You know, if you're a defense that makes teams work for 24 seconds, you're not going to have a high pace. And, um, you know, you could you could be a walk-it-up team that, that shoots quickly, you know, uh, that has a high pace. You know, so I think that's one of the more misleading stats. Frank Vogel joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. You're, you know, look, you last, lost your last two, including the Celtics. Celtics had the best record in the NBA, and everybody's talking about their offense because of Kyrie, but really their defense is what did a great job limiting you guys. I think you shot like 20 or 21% from three. And it's fascinating to watch as a longtime kind of fan of basketball how defenses play differently. You mentioned how you're switching more. And, like, look, when we were coming up playing, the first thing you do is build a wall in the paint. Stop the ball and build a wall in the paint and then build out, right? But that's, that's not the way it's played now. You have to challenge, contest every one of those three-point jump shots. Is there is there some reteaching even of your own defensive philosophy? Oh, there absolutely is. It's complete. It's not reteaching. It's a complete breaking of the mold. You know, we, we, we've completely reinvented uh, how we play defense uh, with this year's uh, Orlando Magic team or, you know, like we started last year um, compared to the, the defenses I had in, in Indiana, you know, where we wanted to dictate matchups and, you know, we were going to stay on, you know, our own position and, and you know, show and recover and, um, you know, fight through everything. You know, it, it's gone completely the other way. You know, uh, with with five three-point shooters out, out on the floor most of the time, it's very difficult to, to play that style of defense, you know, uh, without incorporating some switching. So, you know, we've done that a lot more uh, with our group and, um, you know, we've seen some early success with it, but we still have a long way to go. Well, Aaron Gordon knocking down three-point shots, I think, changes the dynamic of the team, makes him somebody you have to guard. He has really improved. Obviously, the, the difference in point guard is obvious, and, and, and the, wins, the wins show. Obviously, the last two, not as much. Now you get the Knicks, who are hot in their own right and surprising in their own right. Frank, we wish you the best uh, of luck as the season rolls on continued health to your team, and thanks for joining us on Fox Sports Radio. Thanks, Doug. I appreciate it. Our man, Frank Vogel, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Isn't it amazing? Like, 33s a game seems like an obscene number. And you're like, yeah, it's not that obscene. It's kind of the average. It's the average. The Packers lost again without Aaron Rodgers. I'll explain what it tells you about the Packers and Rodgers and how you compare that to when the Patriots lost Tom Brady. That's next on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. So the Green Bay Packers, 
The Green Bay Packers lost again last night. Uh, this one, uh, this one, they lost to the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football. And uh, when they lost to the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football, you're sitting there and you're sitting, you're going, man, this was a team who, not that long ago, was regarded by some as the best team in the NFC because they'd gone into Dallas and beaten the Cowboys. Uh, but the truth is that uh, this is a team. This is a team in the Green Bay Packers that lost Aaron Rodgers. And we kind of told you once it happened, you could don't buy don't buy green bananas. You know, this season's over. You don't even have to worry otherwise. And so I think what happens is people will make this debate a lot like they make the debate of. Oh, of um, Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, right? LeBron leaves Cleveland, Cleveland collapses. LeBron leaves, uh, uh, Jordan leaves the Bulls, the Bulls don't collapse. But remember that there's so many other, the the world does not occur inside of a vacuum. You know, when LeBron left Cleveland, remember Shaq left Cleveland, Antoine Jameson was uh, quickly over the hill. Uh, But more than anything, the team was, was built around Jordan. And it's also important to remember that those those Jordan Bulls teams, when he left the first time and he retired and went to baseball, he was making like a million dollars a year. There wasn't any, you know, there wasn't a huge salary uh, opening. It was just a completely different era. And they had a championship team that was, yes, built around Jordan, but was built top to bottom to compete. And though they, they didn't get to the NBA Finals, and we also go way too crazy about regular season record. There wasn't the salary void that you had to find a fill for. Tony Kukoc was in his prime. Scotty Pippen was in his prime. Horace Grant was in his prime. And the team succeeded in the regular season and came up short in the postseason. In many ways, that Bulls team in which they were managed, in which their salaries were managed, in which Jordan wasn't making an absorbent fee in comparison to everybody else, is kind of similar to the Patriots. Which is interesting because people point out that Jordan won his third straight championship, left, and they still got the first seed in the East. But they didn't reach the finals, and they weren't really the best team in the NBA that year. Which is kind of similar to the Patriots. Brady led them to a 18-1 season, 16-0 in the regular season. He gets hurt in the first game of the season, and Matt Castle leads him to an 11-win season. 16-11, to 11, that's a that's a five-win difference. And we're not even talking about other players or the fact their schedule just happened to be easy that year. But what happens is because Brady's team was still successful uh, in terms of winning, having double-digit wins without him, and we're seeing the Green Bay Packers fall on their face. It's allowing people, much like they say, well, LeBron's better because look what he, look what happened to Cleveland when he left. Look what happened to Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers left. Aaron Rodgers must be better than Tom Brady. Those are non sequiturs, not comparing incomparables. And a lot of it is more based upon how your team is built, how your team is constructed. I'm not like I'm the guy who's told you that I thought Aaron Rodgers was in fact the best quarterback I've ever seen play. 
ever seen play the position. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that he's automatically better because, you know, Tom Brady's Patriots won eleven games when Tom Brady wasn't playing. Like that that, that ain't really it. Yeah, music. Go ahead, music. Do you think the Patriot or the Packers have failed Aaron Rodgers, like Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson, by not going out and trying to make a hard push for whether it's free agents or trading up in the draft? You know, coupling players and draft for picks. What? For what? 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 What do they? I like. Look, I don't love their. I, I don't love their. Um, um, their recent. You know, their. I don't love some of their skill position guys, but it's not like they haven't, not for lack of trying. Like, they went out and got Eddie Lacy. I didn't like Eddie Lacy, and they were able to work with Ty Montgomery. They uh, they had the kid, what was the kid, a couple weeks ago who had a big game running the football. Like, they've had some running backs. They've been, like, uh, what what have they not done? They had to, you have to, you have to fix the line. They've tried to do that through the draft. Belago went down with an injury. You had to fix the defense. The defense wasn't good enough last year. Like, go back to the NFC Championship game. They had terrible defensive backfield play. They had so many injuries. So they had to replace that. And they did actually spend some money. But this idea that, again, this is kind of that everything doesn't occur in a vacuum. Like, why don't you just go out and fix the defense? You know, there's 31 other teams that are trying to fix their defense, fix their offensive line. And, yes, they don't have Aaron Rodgers and you do, but that's only one position. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, it's the the argument is always that if you're gifted going from a great quarterback like Brett Favre to then Aaron Rodgers to only have uh, a couple of Super Bowls to show between the two of them over however many years they both played in the league, that you're somehow not doing your job to the fullest extent. Because most teams are the opposite. Like you're looking at a team like the Broncos where they have everything great, but they just don't have the quarterback position. So if you have that locked down, especially in today's day and age, you should be able to have won multiple Super Bowls at this point. Yeah, I don't know if that's that's terribly accurate. I mean, you know, the, the Seahawks were able to build their defense, not just because they had a good quarterback, but because he was a third-round pick and they didn't have to pay him that much. Right? Like, let's, let's not misremember things. Uh, they did great in the draft, and they built up an incredible defense. And they've been to two Super Bowls and won one of them. Green Bay Packers should have been in the second Super Bowl. They had Seattle beaten a couple years ago. I mean, it's just an all-time massive choke job. But let's not get twisted. Like they had, they were in that NFC Championship game. Should have had it won. And last year they were surprising that they got there, considering their defensive. Like this, just idea that you win like multiple Super Bowls. Like, is Drew Brees awesome? Yeah, he's. They've been terrible the last five years. They've been terrible the last five years. So I, I don't. I, I I would disagree. I like. Look, I I think it. If you have a quarterback, you should win. Have a legit quarterback, you should have double digit wins every year that he's healthy. And every once in a while, you get into a Super Bowl. I think that's reasonable. The Patriots are the exception. If you're trying to live up to the Patriots' dominance, good luck with that. Let's bring in Dan Beyer. There's a bunch of stuff going on. I want to get to, uh, uh, I mean, not, not LiAngelo Ball he wants to tell you about. I want to get to what LeVar said about 
Lonzo Ball and Lonzo Ball's lack of playing time. Doug, the big news right now in the world of sports is the breaking news out of Florida. Two-time Cy Young award-winning pitcher Roy Halladay killed in a plane crash earlier today in Pasco County, Florida. Here's Pasco County Sheriff Chris Noko. I can tell you, sadly, it has turned into a recovery. Um, we recovered one body. It was a two-passenger plane, but I can confirm there's only one body involved. And it's sad to say it's a friend of ours. It's, it's Roy Halladay. Halliday spent 16 years as a pitcher in the big leagues, eight-time All-Star, spent 12 of the years with the Blue Jays, and another four with the Phillies, where he threw a no-hitter in Game 1 of a National League Divisional Series matchup against the Cincinnati Reds. Roy Halliday killed in a plane crash today. He was 40 years old. The Suns traded guard Eric Bledsoe to the Bucks for... Big man Greg Monroe, a protected first-round pick and a protected second-round pick. Lakers forward Luel Deng wants out of L.A. He told ESPN he and his agent have had talks with the team about a buyout or a possible trade. In the NFL, an ESPN report says the Vikings are considering placing quarterback Sam Bradford on injured reserve because of his sore knee. He'll see Dr. James Andrews soon. Case Keenum's going to start Week 10 against the Redskins with Teddy Bridgewater as the possible backup. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin says wide receiver Martavis Bryant will be active for their Week 10 game against the Indianapolis Colts. And finally, Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson will have surgery on his torn ACL coming up tomorrow. Doug? Um, okay, let's I, – I, I just – I don't want to – it's not like – I'm not trying to diminish the Roy Halladay story. It's just sad. It's like really, really sad. I just, you know, like, guy plays baseball, has two kids, done with baseball at 36, generally regarded as a good dude, and dies in a plane crash. Like, I, I don't, I struggle with the where to go with any anything other than that's just sad. That's just awful. I feel terrible for his wife and for his kids. And I'm, I feel bad for Roy Halliday that he didn't get a chance to see his, his boys grow up. That stinks. Really stinks. Really stinks. Uh, and then there's Lavar Ball. Speaking of watching your 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 boys grow up, Lavar has um, begun to do what I think many people feared he would do, which is you can't do the high school dad talking about playing time in the NBA. Because what you do is, I, I, it's not I don't think, I know it has zero effect. Zero effect on Luke Walton. But it's not about reality. It's about perception because perception becomes reality. When he played only 29 minutes in a win over the Brooklyn Nets, LeVar said, quote, let him play the whole fourth quarter and bet he'll always win. He'll get into a better flow. The in and out, sitting out six to ten minutes, he's not going to take shots because he's not in the flow. He don't want to hurt the team with his shooting. Um, When they beat the Brooklyn Nets, he was three of 15 from the floor. So, look, he's talking nonsense. And it doesn't – is he right in terms of flow? I I guess the NBA game is different. You're not going to play all 48. You're just not. You're going to play 30 to 35 minutes once he gets to be playing at the at a starter quality type of level, one that he's not consistently playing at now. The, the problem with it, again, is not the reality. It's the perception. And the perception of it is 
perception of it is that if you don't play him in the fourth quarter, well, now you're saying a big F you to LeVar Ball. And if you do play him in the fourth quarter, it's because well, you were listening to LeVar Ball. Lonzo Ball is playing 33 minutes a game as a 19-year-old, excuse me, a 20-year-old rookie. Just turned 20. That's a lot of minutes. 33 minutes a game is a lot of minutes. Keep in mind, he's only shooting 29.9% from the floor, 23.5% from three-point range, and 53% from the free throw line. He's not even shooting well. Uh, The assist numbers are good. The turnover numbers aren't terrible. But he's put together a string of games to which he has not, with the exception of Detroit, which he played well, not shot the ball well. What you don't want is, you just don't want what LeVar's doing. You want to call out other players, fine. It doesn't matter. It becomes white noise. You want to say your son's better than Steph Curry? All right. Steph, Steph Curry's heard plenty of people tell him he's not good enough or somebody is better than them. He can take care of himself. But what you can't do is put your coach in a position to which he's damned if he do does and he's damned if he don't. And that's the exact opposite of what you want to do. The exact opposite of what you want to do. But, of course, LeVar is doing it anyway. And it's weird because I, I like to think that I'm a really good parent with a, with a son who's an athlete or I'm not overly intrusive. Um, I, it doesn't mean that there's not room for parents to talk about their kids with their coaches or even parents to talk about their sons with their coaches when they're in the NBA. But complaining about playing time 10 games into your first NBA season, which you're not shooting the ball exceptionally well, and complaining about the normal rotations and about the fact that the what, – what, is LeVar missing the fact that the starting unit has cost them a couple games with, his, with their poor play in the first quarter, which is led by Lonzo Ball, and the older players that come off the bench have played better? It's the lack of accountability by LeVar towards Lonzo, which ultimately could be the, his undoing. I don't think it terribly affects him, but it's a perception that's just not a good one. It's just not one you want to have. Just not. Oh, I... All right, so we had Frank Vogel earlier today. We had Chris Sims earlier today. Getting you ready for Miami taking on Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Then there's this Andrew Luck story, which I I kind of feel like we are. Whew, we we might be jumping a little bit to conclusions, even based upon Bob Kravitz's uh, article. Okay, Bob Kravitz used to work for the Indy Star. He's covered the team for years, and he reacted in an interesting fashion to something that Tony Dungy, former Colts head coach, had to say in a moment which he thought he wasn't on camera, thought his mic was was cold uh, during the Dan Patrick show. Take a listen. The Andrew Luck situation, though. That was I don't know what's going on there. I really don't. And is he going to play? Jim Mercer made a comment about six weeks ago. You know, it's, it's inside his head now, and then now you're hearing that this has been 25 months. And he Wait, really it's had- inside Luck's head? 
Yeah, he said that um, maybe when I, I guess when I was up there for Peyton's uh, ceremony. Wow. I wonder if Andrew Luck's future is in Indianapolis. I really do. I wonder. Yeah, well, look, when you say it's inside your head, that means that you think that you're not necessarily faking it, but just you can't get out of your own way. You become a mental midget. You're so worried about hurting yourself again that you can't even clearly, you know, completely rehab the injury. It's important to point out that Bob Kravitz's column is interesting, but it also says there's a huge problem brewing between Jim Ursay and Andrew Luck, the kind of problem that may destroy the relationship between owner and team's best player. May is not is. May is it could be a problem. This could be taken the right, wrong way. This is the problem with, with the same problem with text is the same problem with Tony Dungy saying it's in his head. We don't know if Andrew Luck did admit, hey, I don't know if it's in my head or if it's real. I know they can't find anything, but I just it doesn't feel right. So in it, it's in his head does sound more than a little negative, right? It's in his head sounds like he's absolutely fine. Like he's absolutely fine, and he just can't get over the mental part of coming back from a catastrophic shoulder injury, one that can limit your career, especially when you use your shoulder on nearly every play. But it's possible that Andrew Luck told Jim Ursay. It's in my head. I got to get over it. And because of that, it sounds worse in a game of telephone, like Ursay is relaying a story. Uh, instead of saying Ursay is relaying a story, it's Ursay saying it's just in his head. Like he's soft. Like he's lying. Like he's playing possum. So we don't know what the context of it's in his head is. I think it's fair to take it negatively. It's also altogether possible that while it's taken negatively and it is negative, it's possible that it's true, that they simply can't find anything wrong, that he keeps saying there's something wrong, there's something wrong. They're like, dude, there's nothing wrong. Uh, there's something wrong. I'm telling you I know my shoulder. I'm Andrew Luck. I'm Andrew Luck. I think that's a, it's a hard thing to know. I think we all want Andrew Luck to not just come back, but we want there to be some massive dysfunction between the two and the owner who's outspoken saying crazy things. That may be the case. But Kravitz's column, and again, for 20 years he's covered the Colts, it does not say there is a big issue. It does not say this will be a problem. This will cause, lead them to, to break up. Andrew Luck had not been as good as he should have been recently. They made some terrible picks with the previous GM around him. He hurt. He did hurt his shoulder, and he was supposed to be back by now, and he's not. And as we search for answers, if Jim Irsay says, I mean, he might be in his head, in his head right now, that doesn't mean that, he, that uh, Andrew Luck didn't actually tell him, you know what, it's in my head. I can't get it out of my head that my shoulder's right. It's the only explanation. We, we've had MRI after MRI after MRI. 
With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. My thanks to Dave Hunsiker and uh, all the uh, cast of characters at Oklahoma State that set me up to broadcast from their stadium, Boone Pickens Stadium, site of a great Bedlam game. Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State 62-52. No, I didn't go to the game. I came out uh, giving a speech on, uh, on ethics, ethics in business, which really is kind of the root of who you are, right? Like, how would you, uh, music, how would you, how would you describe the definition of ethics? Knowing what the difference between right and wrong and implementing it in everyday life? Sure. Moral principles, right? That govern somebody's behavior. It's, it's, it's what your conscience is telling you, isn't it? Isn't that what ethics are, right? Yeah. It's what your, your conscience is telling you. I think that's, a, that's, that's kind of my way of looking at it. Uh, ethics is what your conscience is telling you. Being ethical is living by that conscience, knowing right and wrong, living a, a, a life not bereft of morals. That's, that's fair. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about. And then I'll be back in Los Angeles tomorrow. Not that, not that anybody really cares. But you know what they do care about? The press. The press. Buyer. Representative Buyer of Virginia. Dan, what do you got? Well, we got the big news of the day. Roy Halliday killed in a plane crash in Pasco County, Florida today. Authorities say that the plane crashed in the Gulf of Mexico, about 10 miles off the coast of St. Petersburg, Florida. So many in the baseball world and sports world and even outside of that, sending out their thoughts and condolences and prayers to the Halliday family and also reminiscing on a 16-year career that included eight All-Star appearances and two Cy Young Awards. Roy Halliday killed today in a plane crash in Florida. Far too soon, right? I mean, I don't think there's, uh, there's anybody who would, um, who would dispute that. Uh, just far, far too soon, and uh, super, super sad because, man, he was a great player and also beloved as a guy. Um, you know, really beloved as a guy, and that's that's not something that happens often in sports when uh, you're respected as a player and beloved as a human being. That just that just stinks. There's yeah. no other way, no other way around it. Yeah, I covered a few All Star games that Roy Halladay played in, and eight All Star games may not seem like a huge amount if you think of like a 16 year career when guys make 10 Pro Bowls and 12 Pro Bowls in the NFL. Eight All Star games is a lot in Major League Baseball. Pedro Martinez, John Smoltz, Greg Maddox, all eight All Star game appearances. And usually when you look at the rosters, Doug, and I went back to look at the, the rosters from about the mid-2000s to about you know, 20, 2012, around that time when Roy Halladay would have been eligible to make All-Star games, what you would see is you would see pitchers, first appearance, second appearance, and then you see Roy Halladay sixth or Roy Halladay seventh. So there were a lot of pitchers that came and went during his time, but he was one of the real horses uh, in Major League Baseball, and unfortunately we lost him today at the age of 40. Uh, three. Yeah, t- ter- I mean, just uh, you know, I, I know we've stated before, but that's just—it's just terrible news. Terrible, terrible news. Three UCLA basketball players, including LiAngelo Ball, arrested today on shoplifting charges in China. Bruins are playing Georgia Tech on Friday in Shanghai in their season opener. Cody Riley and Jalen Hill were also arrested, according to ESPN. I mean, 
Like, look, it's dumb. I don't know if you've ever tried to boost something. I have. Uh, hopefully it's a lesson you only learn once. Doing it in a foreign country when you represent your school, represent your country, represent your sports makes it even worse. Um, not great. Not good stuff. Yeah. Not even close to being good stuff. So, uh, but does in fact happen. And, you know, th- these are they kids? Are they children? No, but young guys do stupid, stupid things. And that's a stupid, stupid thing. Suns today traded guard Eric Bledsoe to the Milwaukee Bucks. In return, Phoenix gets Greg Monroe a protected first-round pick and a protected second-round pick. Do you like, as a Bucks fan, do you like? Yes. Why? Because I think that the amount that Giannis had on his shoulders was not sustainable for 82 games. That's fair. They've I'm, Look, they've been in need of a point guard. They've tried Michael Carter-Williams. They, you know, Obviously, they tried. They've tried uh, everything for a point guard. So I, that I would agree with. Malcolm Brogdon has played well this year and, of course, is the rookie of the year, but I think that was deceiving last year. You mentioned the scoring from the point guard position. They've never really had it at all, and and I think that that is going to at least help. And Plus, I know that the shooting isn't something that is a strong spot of Eric Bledsoe, but he's got length, right. which the Bucks uh, like on defense. Right, and the right. fact is – there aren't tons of great, great shooters in the NBA. So if you could just get a couple of guys to knock down shots, I think the Bucks will be all right. I really right. like this. Yeah, move. I, I just uh, you're doing well until the last point. There's right. plenty of really good shooters in the NBA. Were there plenty of really good shooters available to play the point guard to come in via trade and be traded for for Greg Monroe? That you would be correct. Yeah. If that's what you meant, then I agree. Yeah, th- like mm. who are you going to go out there and get? Who's going to be the guy that's going to be able to bring that to you? Mm. I, I just I don't I didn't see any buddy out there and he's the best point guard of the market and to be honest heck the pistons were interested in him who knows what's happening with the Cavs in that division why not uh put him on milwaukee and keep him away from others and try to make a push I no like no it. i look that that part i agree with i i completely agree with i just think we got to be careful about um we got to be careful about just assuming that a guy goes from you know, putting up numbers that those numbers will fit in perfectly with another team that already has another dominant ball handler. Uh, so we'll see. But look, Jake Kidd should do a good job with him. I think the lack of shooting does hurt. Uh, he also hasn't played really on a winning team in the NBA. Does he know how to make winning plays? But Eric Bledsoe is a talent. We'll see if he can get along. Hornet center Dwight Howard fined twenty five grand today for making an obscene gesture towards a fan during Sunday's game against the Timberwolves. Video showed him making the Degeneration X chop towards a fan. I love you. And that's what apparently cost him twenty five grand. What is that a is that a bad? It's, that's not like the finger, is it? No, that's the the uh, the X chop. You know, in the uh, groin area. It's frustrating. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh! Isn't that Ric Flair? Um. I think the he did the X for the like Triple H and X Pac used to do. Yeah, that's that's what Dwight Howard did. We just kind of hit the wall. <laughs> hey, I don't know if he did that. Uh, hey, according to Barstool Chief of Barstool Sports, the Blackhawks are going to face the Bruins in the 2019 Winter Classic at Notre Dame Stadium. Yes, how about going across the uh, state lines to Indiana to play some hockey? I love it. I love. It. I do like. That thing has has it hasn't run its course yet, and I love the job that uh, show that as it HBO does or Showtime mm-hmm. does and following those guys around. Like I had no idea they talk so much trash to the referees. Um, 
And it's really kind of the only sport which you can do. I know baseball has done smaller fields. Football hasn't. I wonder when, when NFL teams are going to start playing in college stadiums. You know, they're playing overseas. Why not go to some of these huge college stadiums and play a game there? Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. All right, uh, my thanks to Ryan Music and the boys back in L.A., back tomorrow, getting you ready for a huge sports week. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast! podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.